Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now... Here are your co-hosts. Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I am Kevin Witham and glad to be back with you this week for another Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Our motto on this podcast week to week is unity begins with a cup of coffee. And what we mean by that is that that unity starts with relationship and getting to know one another. And and we're going today to have a conversation uh, that I'll be a part of. We've got somebody else that's going to actually host and ask the questions, and I'm going to be one in the group that's having the questions asked of. And this is a group of people that I have come to love dearly, brothers and sisters in Christ, in our Common Ground Unity a gathering group in San Diego, California. Um, our reason for doing this today is we want you to hear uh, about the benefits of and the bringing together of Common Grounds Unity groups and gatherings. And we, we hope this inspires you to start one or become a part of one. It's not complicated or hard to do. And man, the blessings are immeasurable. So, Each of the guests that are going to be interviewed today, they come from uh, the various streams of the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement. We're all in restoration churches. And so Tina Bruner is going to be hosting, asking the questions. You know Tina. She's been interviewed in the past on Common Grounds Unity. She is the executive director of World Convention, a uh, ministry and missions group that brings together the various streams of the Stone Campbell Movement to do some good things of the world. So Tina's going to be our host today. I hope you'll sit back and enjoy the conversation and be blessed by it. Hey, guys, I'm super excited to be back with you all, and especially to be with this group of people who make up one of the very first uh, Common Grounds Unity uh, gatherings and, and just started right before COVID. So you all have some unique experience to share with us as well. And so instead of me introducing each of you, I'm going to just uh, give each of you a chance to tell us a little bit about who you are um, and a little bit about yourself. So Russ, will you start us off? Yes. I am Russ Kirkpatrick. My wife, Carmen, and I have been married for 11 years, and we have two little humans. Zion (laughs) is seven, and Isabel is four, and we love our, our crazy little chaotic family at home. Uh, no, they're awesome. I, I grew up in the International Churches of Christ. My parents became Christian when I was four years old. Shout out to Glenn and Debbie Kirkpatrick. They're awesome. After college, I went to San Diego State University. Uh, I served in full-time ministry uh, with the San Diego Church of Christ in college and in uh, youth ministry. Uh, as God laid out a career path for me, it was quite different than I expected at first. I I'm now uh, with an organization called Pray.com or the Pray app, but I believe God has me right where he wants me in my role uh, at Pray.com where I get to collaborate with 
influential Christian leaders across denominations all over the world. And I would summarize my life in three specific prayers. Uh, One being my wife. (laughs) I wrote a prayer list that described her before I ever met her. Uh, And I'm talking specific, like five foot three, dark curly hair, uh, a list of personality traits and God uh, brought Carmen. Um, And that obviously influenced uh, the trajectory of my life. Um, But I, I prayed also a second prayer that I would collaborate with influential people to build the kingdom of God. And my third would be that I'd be part of unifying Christians across the world. And so my heart is uh, burning for unity and, and hence my involvement with Common Grounds. Um, and one of the gatherings, uh, one of the initial gatherings, as was mentioned, is in San Diego. And it is such an honor to be partnered with those that you'll hear from here. Uh, Evan Foote, Debbie and Wade Cook, uh, Kevin Witham, and uh, in making the effort making every effort to build some relational bridges here in San Diego. That's great. Uh, Debbie, why don't you introduce yourself? And um, Wade, you are are in this ministry of uh, Common Grounds Unity Together, but you are our representative from your family tonight. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Debbie Cook, and I'm with the San Diego Church of Christ. Um, I was baptized way back in 1989 as a college student at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and I was attending the Denver Church of Christ at the time, and um, I I really didn't have any idea as a young Christian that I had uh, been part of a, became part of a church. I uh, read on the newsletter on the, the week after I got baptized, it said new members, and I realized, oh, I guess I joined a church. I I didn't know that. I just thought that I was a disciple <laughs> and that, you know, I was lost and I had had my sins forgiven. So that was new to me. And uh, so my husband and I went into the full-time ministry um, shortly after that. And he went on to go and get his master's degree at Denver Seminary, which was very um, foundational and transformational for him and such a great experience that I thought, oh, I really want to go back and get my master's degree as well. So I was originally taking classes um, from the Rocky Mountain School of Ministry and Theology, which was an ICOC um, organization, or which still is an ICOC organization. But I kind of went as far as we could go with their accreditation at the time. And then, um, so then I had to transfer to Lincoln uh, Christian University. And I ended up getting my master's degree in Bible and theology there. And again, it was just such an amazing experience that I, I really grew and uh, learned so much from that Christian university. I was so grateful for it. Uh, then my husband and I ended up working for a Christian organization called Hope Worldwide for about three years. And that was very meaningful. We got to travel all over the world, um, got to make a great impact um, serving um, underserved populations all over the, all over the world. And uh, we recently moved to San Diego in the fall of 2019 to serve the go back into the full-time ministry here in San Diego. So that's my story. That's wonderful. Evan, introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you, Tina. This is Evan Foote. I'm talking to you from Poway, California. And uh, my wife and I, we moved here in 1977, raised three kids. They are all grown up and moved away. We have six grandkids. 
But going back to the very beginning, I uh, went to Palmdale First Christian Church out in the Mojave Desert of California. That's an independent Christian church, which was the only church I ever knew. We, um, we had a great time. I didn't think my family was particularly religious, but out of the, my four siblings, I'm the youngest of four. Three of us have been in full-time ministry uh, our whole career. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I guess my parents did something right. My dad was a fireman. My mom was a teacher. So I went to Hope International University and then on to seminary. Um, my wife, Linda, and I were married, and we were looking for a place to minister. And my, my old boyhood pastor from Palmdale said he needed help in a place called Poway in San Diego County. So we moved down here in 1977 and enjoyed ministry together. After a dozen years, he moved on and left me in charge. And um, long story short, we served at the same church until I retired after 40 years of ministry. And we're still involved, still involved in the same church. But I wanted to mention just one thing that happened Uh After the senior pastor left and I became the senior pastor and some of the other staff, uh, for good reasons, moved on to other jobs, there was a season when I was just really all alone in ministry at the church. And I hadn't developed relationships with other local pastors. And I remember just uh, desperately needing some fellowship and calling up one pastor friend who took me to a prayer meeting with other local pastors. And each one of us was hurting in different ways. And just the fellowship and the prayer and the support was absolutely invigorating. And I haven't stopped meeting with pastors since then. That's been about 25 or 30 years now. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's awesome. Uh, Kevin, our listeners know you well, but go ahead and introduce yourself and also from the slant of your involvement with this group. Absolutely. We'd love to do that and won't say too much because I'd love everybody to hear more from others in this group. I I was raised in a church home. My mom was the church secretary. My dad was a deacon, always active in the life of the church. And I came to make my own decision to follow Jesus and be baptized as a young person growing up at the Lemon Grove Church of Christ in San Diego County. And uh, it was a great family that nurtured my faith. And as I kind of moved up through the years. Uh, I, I was really tapped by our local minister to start engaging more in ministry type things. And he he really helped challenge me to go into full-time ministry as, uh, as my life calling, he and some others in that church. Uh, so it's been a, uh, a life of ministry from there. My wife is Karen. We met at Harding University. She's got a much more interesting story than I do. She was, uh, her family came to Christ in Australia, did mission work in Zimbabwe, and I met her at Harding there. And we've been married for 36 years in December. And all of those years, I've been in full-time ministry, and she's been working alongside me. And it's been a great blessing. And I would say there was a point in my life where I moved from a more externally focused religious faith, where I grew up in a context where we tended to focus on outward acts of obedience, I'd say, and kind of getting the pattern right to a relationship with Christ. And in places like Harding, my eyes were open to the grace of God uh, rather than a more works-oriented faith. 
And of course, that grace led me to want to embrace all who are in my family, not just those in my particular um, tribe of Christians. And I'd always had a heart for brothers and sisters uh, in, in the restoration movement as a whole. For some reason, early on, I got an interest in restoration movement history and the story of our movement. And that always led me to, to believe, boy, we need to be working towards greater unity among all who have this desire to just simply follow Christ and be Christians only and be serious about that commitment and allegiance alone, not to some denomination. And that extends to other believers in Christ as well, a heart to build unity beyond our movement too, and to have that kind of fellowship. So I'm really, this group came together and it, it had been the longing of my heart to be a part of something like this since early in my ministry. So I am thankful to be with these brothers and sisters and others that are kind of coming into this San Diego gathering and just eagerly anticipating what God's going to do with it as uh, bridges continue to be built. So this is a great group that you're getting to talk to today, Tina, uh, and some people that, as I mentioned earlier, I've really grown to appreciate as brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow, you guys have some amazing stories. I want to know a little bit more from each of you. How or why did unity within our family of churches become so important to you? In other words, tell us about your journey of faith or understanding of God's desire for unity among our fellowship or even even in a broader context within like kingdom Christendom. Rush, yes, you want to start I can, us? I can, yeah, I can start with this one. So I I mentioned I grew up in the International Churches of Christ and in an extraordinary family. My parents um, have been faithful followers of Jesus for over 33 years. And um, those who know me have heard me repeat this statement a lot, especially in the recent years. But I feel like a kid whose parents just told him that he has other brothers and sisters he did not know about. And there are some that even live nearby me. <laughs> and this statement is not a reflection of my parents. It's a parable, right? It's uh, it's really the experience of growing up in a culture of, a, of the ICOC that was either at a time really directly stating, hey, we're, we're the only Christians, or it's up to us to reach the, the world in our generation, right? Um, but in more recent years, perhaps kind of less blatantly spoken, but still lived out through maybe a lack of collaboration with other Christian groups. And I'm speaking very broadly because obviously there are, are people like those on this um, podcast and, and, you know, that have been gathering who have a heart to connect with other Christians. So I think the biggest shift for me over the last, especially 10 to 15 years was realizing that, wow, like what does God see? You know what I mean? Like he doesn't see, he doesn't see denominations. He doesn't see names of churches. Um, so it, it just drove me to have a heart to want to collaborate with those brothers and sisters that uh, I hadn't met yet. And I knew we're reading the same Bible. And uh, so that's really a big part of what what really drove me to, to start partnering with Unity Hearted Christians here in San Diego, but even also have gotten involved with helping new gatherings start uh, all over the place. And there's like 11 active gatherings. So that's pretty cool to see that start. Yeah, I could go next. I, uh, I think I really um, got more involved in um, promoting this unity after going to school. Um, like I said, at um, 
for Wade, Denver Seminary, and for me, Lincoln Christian University. And I just ran across so many great Christian thinkers. And I thought, uh, you know, I had always been taught our fellowship, we're, you know, we're the only ones saved. And it just opened a whole new world um, for me to see, hey, there are a lot of people that are Christians that um, I don't have the right to be saying who is and who isn't a Christian. Uh, that's for God to decide. And uh, I think it was Evan that actually told us the story he had mentioned about uh, looking at a set of twins and how some people, you know, the kids, they can focus on the difference and you see a nice identical set of twins and, you know, they can say, hey, you know, that kid, you know, one of them has a freckle on their right earlobe and, uh, or one of them parts their hair to the left and that's how you know them. And, and you can focus on the differences and, and that's how you see them. But everybody else just sees identical twins. And, uh, and that really stuck with me that really what the world sees, what, what we look like to the world, we are identical twins to um, the rest of the world. And so that made a big impact on me that we've got so much more that we're alike than we are different. That's, that's great. Hey, this is Evan chiming in again. You know, as I hear these stories, I think uh, going back 30, 35 years, we, we had fellowship among the pastors of the independent Christian churches, maybe about once every quarter or every six months or so. And uh, I did have things in common with people who live maybe 10, 15, 20 or 30 miles away. But actually, when it got down to it and I was desperate for help, I found that the pastors who were right here in my local area, whatever the denomination was, you know, we had the same issues in our own city and in our same schools. We had uh, members of our church leave and go to their church. <laughs> and so as pastors, when we connected at the local level, that was just really vital to me. And to know that I could stop by uh, Bob's church and say, hey, Bob, look, look what's going on with me. And he would pray with me right then and there. I found that that local unity was uh, also absolutely necessary for uh, being a, a pastor that stays vibrant and healthy. Well, this is Kevin. Evan, I appreciate that because I've had a similar experience um, through the years being in ministry all these years. And I've, I've been a part of a pastors and covenant group with uh, people in ministry and, and pastoring other uh, denominations. And, and then I've always had this heart within our movement. I grew up in a church where just a couple of blocks down there was Lemon Grove Christian Church. And I remember somebody saying to me at one point, hey, those are our cousins. And they meant by that in the restoration movement. But, you know, those are the folks that uh, use instrumental music. And so we don't have fellowship. And I remember thinking early on, man, that seems like a pretty minor thing over which to not be together on at least have fellowship. Um, and then realized as I grew in my faith, we don't have any cousins in the faith. We have brothers and sisters. And I had seen, you know, some of the early divisions when I was a, a very, you know, young adult and older teenager when uh, the, the inception of what was called the, the Crossroads Movement and then ultimately the Boston Movement and the ICOC came about and the separation from our churches occurred. And that prayer of Jesus in John 17 just always rang in my heart that we would be one. And it seemed like I grew up 
in a movement that said, hey, unity is uh, Barton Stone. Unity is our polar star, but it seems like we found so many reasons to divide and split and Mm -hmm. to be sectarian in our own ways and our own tribes in this movement. So I I have always had this, this passion. I loved my brothers and sisters I knew that were in the ICOC, and yet we weren't doing much together. I would see good things happening and independent Christian churches, you know, in the 90s start to really impact and 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 be a, a group that was so mission oriented and so on track with planting churches. And I thought, man, if we could just in this movement uh, be more unified, what greater impact and what a great testimony that would have on the world around us. I remember Jerry Rushford at Pepperdine University once saying at a lecture luncheon for the Pepperdine lectures, he said, if the restoration movement had never divided, it would be the largest uh, indigenous non-denominational movement in America. Interesting. And, and I thought, mm-hmm. wow, that, that is powerful. And it's not that our goal is to be big. I mean, we want to see unity with believers everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the kind of unity I'm not after is, you know, it's not a unity where we just throw our arms around each other and sing kumbaya and say nothing matters. <laughs> I want to be unified with people who love Jesus Christ, love his word, and, and you know, share the the blood of Christ that washes us from our sins. So um, I hope that gives you a little bit of a sense of what's in my heart when I participate in this group. Uh, It's time we gather. Tina, Tina, can I add something to this question? Sure. I I love hearing everybody and it's just inspired me and reminded me of a couple of things too. Uh, I think what really got me early on too was there was this cloud over my head of like, well, if this is about organizational unity, then why try? But if this is about relational unity, there's there's hope. Mm. <laughs> and there's something we can start with. Um, and in fact, like following the Spirit's lead in all of this, I think has just been some of the most important, um, just my, the most important thing for me personally, because I'm the type of person that's like, set a goal, go after it, accomplish, you know, make something happen. But with this, this is different, right? This isn't, this isn't something where we can create a goal. It's, it's us saying, Hey, there's an opportunity for bridge building and it's only going to happen by sitting down, having a meal together. And so I think that was really early on for me, just even sitting down, having lunch with Kevin for the first time was a, a very memorable moment. And, and then even all of us in our first few few gatherings. So just wanted to share that it's as well. really great to hear. Um, I hear like a theme or a thread through what each of you shared. And that's how much stronger we are as a church when we are connected. Like that sense of the relationships, like strengthening us in our faith and our ministry and our walk. I wonder if you guys could answer um, how your understanding or definition of unity has changed or grown over the years. And is there a specific way you see that have, having changed through the, the gathering that you're part of in San Diego? I can take this one. That's, that's an awesome question. Uh, my view of unity has definitely changed just kind of considering God's perspective and I imagine God, I have this visual of of God looking at the world and the universe, but he's looking at his people as individual lights all shining across the planet, right? And 
there's this like combined blur of light <laughs> that shines and, and catches his eye. And that's the church, right? That's that's the kingdom on earth. It's not, okay, where's the flag? What's the logo? What's the name of the tribe? Um, and, and I think really where where my perspectives changed when I've started to think about what God sees is also that he's he's in control. He's dad. We're just the kids. Like we don't really have a say in drawing the lines here. And I think even there's been others on the podcast who've talked a bit about that. But the beautiful thing is that uh, we get to just bond as kids and, and try to simplify this a little bit and just go play together. <laughs> like let's get on the <laughs> playground. Like let's eat together. Let's, let's um, serve together. Yeah, I can share a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that idea of playing together really stuck with me and um, having unity in um, fellowship with one another. And I, I specifically was moved in that idea of our young um, young adult ministries having fellowship with one another. And, and uh, we kind of had, I, I grew up um, kind of learning that if, you know, if you date, you can only date within our fellowship. And that really was not in the Bible. You know, the Bible teaches that you need to date Christians and marry Christians. Well, I guess not date, but, you know, marry a Christian um, since there wasn't dating in the Bible. Um, but that was the whole idea that they have to belong to the Lord. And and I think my heart was hurting because I saw that I have been teaching something that does not really line up with what the scriptures say. And so um, last year we were able to have an event and we invited all of the Christian churches, independent Christian churches and um, mainstream, mainstream churches of Christ, as well as the ICO churches in our area and um, just wanted to have a singles fellowship. And um, it was a first start. It was a step in the right direction, I think, of opening up that door to say, hey, well, let, we're all Christians. Let's let's treat each other like brothers and sisters. So, you know, I don't, uh, this is Evan. I, I don't really mean to throw a curveball here, but you asked us, Tina, how is our, how's our thinking changed about unity? And I'll tell you one thing from my perspective, I've, I used to think that the more uniformity of doctrine I have with someone, the easier it'll be to uh, have unity together. And to an extent, that is true. Although it seems to me it's almost the opposite is true. When it comes to pastors, sometimes the closer you are together, but off a little bit, it can be more threatening. You know, mm. I'm not threatened at all by the guy down the street who's in a totally different denomination to me. I'm not worried about my people going to his church or vice versa. I can just be friends with him. But uh, to, to give you an extreme again, example, I remember when some uh, local church leaders came knocking on my door and they wanted me to come to their church. And uh, I asked them, well, what church are you from? And Kevin, I think it was one of those churches that you mentioned earlier that are no longer around. But anyway, I, the, we were so much alike. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm the pastor over here at Pomerado Christian Church. Well, you should come to our church. You should come to the real church. I think, well, wait a minute. You know, I don't think my people would like it if I didn't preach on Sunday and have a <laughs> church instead. But, you know, 
if there are 100 points of doctrine, whatever the number is, probably we were together on 95 points of doctrine, but it was those five that were keeping us apart. And, um, you know, sometimes I think it's, <laughs> there was a church near mine, it was a completely different uh, co uh, congregation. And I found that pastor, I was a little bit afraid of him at first, but I found him to be one of the nicest and smartest guys I know. And I really appreciated his ministry. And he was absolutely no threat to me. We were just friends. And I think that might surprise people, but we need to think more that way sometimes. Boy, that, that's good. Evan, this is Kevin again. And j just to kind of jump in on that, um, my view of unity has changed in some significant ways. I, I grew up uh, with a fairly sectarian view of how far fellowship and, and unity could extend. And a, a verse in my childhood that preachers would often cite uh, was 1 Corinthians chapter 1 at verse 10, where Paul makes this appeal to the Corinthians in the name of the Lord that they all speak the same thing. And uh, that there be no divisions among the Corinthian church. Uh, we, we actually use that verse in a way that I think justified us being divided from other believers because we, we had this idea, as, as Evan was alluding to there, that you know, you've got to have complete uniformity of every belief. And that's how I understood that verse. Well, we've, we've got to see everything alike, and that's how it was preached. And, boy, if you didn't see some point— as we did, we would in, in our heritage, you know, have divisions over whether you could have a fellowship hall in your building or you could have Sunday school classes. And, you know, one church did and one church didn't. And fellowship lines were drawn among those things or along those lines. So I began to see as I as I grew really in in the word, um, not, not that I've mastered the word, but it's mastered more of me. Um, you know, I've seen that Paul's point had more to do with Christ crucified and that the gospel is about Jesus and not men. And that the, the all speak the same thing doesn't mean in every point you see every little thing alike. You'll never be unified that way. That'll just put up barriers to being together. But the same thing is that, that we speak that Jesus is Lord and that the message is Christ crucified. It's not this church or that church or this particular, you know, correct way of interpreting this passage. Amen. And I think everybody in this group has a heart for truth, but it's, it's Jesus, the Lord who unifies us. And we want to run after that now, I think with, with all of our hearts. And so Amen. that's one of those getting with this group has shaped that even more because we can have preconceived ideas about each other. Uh, even in this movement that, well, you know, all Church of Christ folks are like this, or all Christian church folks are like this, or all the disciples of Christ people think this way, or all ICOC people. And boy, you, you sit down, as Evan said, or, or as uh, Russ said earlier, and just kind of get to know each other and start with relationship. And man, all that stuff's kind of stripped away. And that's what we're experiencing, I think. And uh, don't forget the cup of coffee. Group. Amen. <laughs> Need that coffee. Fruit of the bean. Well, I think that really what, um, like what you guys have, have just been talking about and Kevin is especially kind of as you've 
wrapped up that last thought is really what Common Grounds Unity is about, is breaking down barriers to be able to be in relationship with one another. And I think our listeners are going to be super excited to hear more about how the gathering actually works and and what makes uh, what makes that function well. And so we're out of time for today, but we'll 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 get back together for the next podcast and talk more specifically about the actual gathering together uh, among our three streams or among the uh, churches in our movement. And I hope that you guys will join us for that. Kevin, do you want to um, have any closing thoughts as our real host? Tina, you have been our real host, and it has been a delight to have you with us, and I look forward to you being back with us next week, and I want to thank uh, my brothers and sisters here, Evan and Russ and Deb, and we're going to all be back next week to further this conversation and talk some more specifics about the groups itself. So in the meantime, between now and next time we're together on Common Grounds Unity, go grab a cup of coffee with somebody in your town or neighborhood or community who's a believer and start building those relationships. Join us again uh, for the continuation of this conversation on our next podcast. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.